0: Welcome to Mosaic, my name's Kevin. And uh, we are so excited that you are with us today. If you are a father, happy Father's Day. Um, I am a father of two, and my kids are about uh, 12 hours away right now. And so I talked to my two-year-old daughter on the phone for a little bit, uh, which is always interesting to try to talk to a two-year-old on the phone. Um, and so I told her that I loved her, and she, uh, when I tell her I love her when she's around, and say, how much does daddy love you? And she holds her arms out really big. Um, and so she stopped talking on the phone to do that. And I was like, Elise? Elise, are you there? And then my wife had to come in and do commentary on what my daughter was doing. Um, but uh, fathers are play such a huge role in people's lives. And uh, so if you are a dad, I want to thank you for the role that you play uh, in your kids' lives. Uh, you get to play the uh, have the awesome privilege of shaping how your kids view God and how they view others and what a man is. Uh, And uh, you also get to be the one that makes your kids laugh while your wife disciplines them. Uh, So (laughs) that is a plus. Uh, So, um, yeah, so being a father is such a huge privilege. um, And we are today going to finish up a series that we've been in for like about the last eight weeks. Uh, We've been in a series called Be uh, and in this series, we've been trying to answer the question, uh, who has God created me, me, me specifically to be? And, and this, again, isn't a list of, like, go do these things, but it's a list of kind of characteristics of the kinds of people that God is creating us to be. And it's really designed to answer the question, so I follow Christ, now what should I do with my life? And uh, we've been really just kind of walking through some of those kind of things, and, and today we're going to kind of wrap that up. But before we do that, let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for how much you love us, that you love us so much that you sent your Son to come and to offer us life. And so God, we thank you that you are a good Father who loves us. And so we have uh, this Father in Heaven who loves us who we can look to as an example and And God, we ask that today, as we open up your word, that you would open up our hearts and our minds to what you have to say to us, uh, that you would kind of point out areas of our lives that need changed or adjusted, so that we can kind of begin to live the kind of life that you want us to live. In Jesus' name, amen. So my last week has been pretty interesting. I spent uh, the week at middle school camp with 700 middle schoolers. if you've ever been around 700 middle schoolers for seven days, uh, you get, begin to get this sense that middle school is just a weird time. Uh, there's so much like emotion and drama and energy all packed into these little tiny bodies. And so for the past week, I've been with these middle schoolers and there was a bunch of high school leaders who led their cabins and then there was a bunch of adults who were doing different things and leading different things. And, and so at this week of camp, um, I, I kind of was reminded again of how many of us are still like middle schoolers. I know. And I think, it, it, here's the thing, like I had conversations with middle schoolers last week that I have with adults. Like middle schoolers who have insecurities, and then like I literally have the same conversation with adults who have the same insecurities. And they're dealing with the same things, and so I think for a lot of us, what I found, like, kind of in working with high schoolers for a long time and middle schoolers for a long time, and and then working with adults, is that like we all deal with the same stuff. It just kind of grows up. Like at camp, like there's the girl who's like meets a guy and really wants to like him to like her, and so she goes and hangs out at like the candy shop until he comes by, and then pretends that she doesn't see him, And, and like try, You know and they start flirting, and now, instead of going to like the candy shop, we go to the bar and so it just it just changes as we grow up, and uh, it kind of morphs and the same thing with our issues it, they just kind of change and, and they take new shape and new form in our life and really uh, there's when we look throughout scripture there's kind of this sense that we all have the same kind of question like What kind of person should I be? Like, what should define my life, and what should I look like, and how should I act, and what are some things that should characterize my life? The Bible kind of offers one definitive, massive answer to that question, and it's one single word. It's the word wisdom. When you look throughout all of Scripture, uh, the Bible kind of summarizes and, and brings it all down to this point, like, who you should be is a wise person, a wise person. The book of Proverbs is really this book that kind of describes what a wise life is and what it would look like. The book of Proverbs is written by this guy named Solomon, who the Bible records was the wisest man who ever lived. Uh, Proverbs is also kind of almost a letter. Uh, It begins, if you read the first chapter of Proverbs, uh, with Solomon's writing to his son, saying, son, I want the best for you. I want the best kind of life possible. And that comes when you become wise. And And so Solomon, who's the wisest man who ever lived, writes to his son saying, son, I want the best for you. And it's going to come as you discover wisdom, as you figure out how to live a wise life. Wisdom in kind of the ancient world was an important skill. In fact, throughout the Bible, you kind of pick up on this narrative that wise people, uh, God starts to use in some interesting ways. All the way back in the book of Genesis, there's this guy named Joseph, and uh, maybe you remember the story of Joseph. Joseph Joseph was hated by his brother and sold brothers and sold into slavery and ends up in Egypt and eventually becomes, like, second in power. But it's because of his wisdom that God kind of leads him through all these different things. And then several hundreds of years later, there's this guy named Daniel, and Daniel's story is very similar to Joseph's, that he is sold, he's taken into slavery, and God uses his wisdom to eventually help the people of Israel. So wisdom is this, like, Uh, important skill. Almost every king had a wise counsel that he surrounded himself with for any kind of important decision-making kind of tasks. And so when we reach the the book of Proverbs, it's important to understand that that wisdom isn't necessarily learning or, or knowledge, but it's a little different. So just to kind of get us all on the same page, just a working definition for wisdom is this. Wisdom is the ability to know what the right things are and then do them. Wisdom is the ability to know what the right thing is, and then the ability to do whatever that right thing is. Uh, Solomon writes in the book of Ecclesiastes, chapter 7, verse 12, this, wisdom and money can get you almost anything, but only wisdom can save your life. Wisdom and money can get you almost anything, but only wisdom can save your life. See, wisdom is the ability to Uh, make right decisions to figure out what the right thing is, and then the ability to do that thing. One of the best definitions I've heard for wisdom is this. Wisdom equals uh, knowledge plus obedience. Wisdom is really the ability to say, okay, here's, I figured out what the right thing is, and now I'm actually going to do it. I'm going to step forward and do whatever that thing is. And I think this is the thing. Most of us struggle through all of this, trying to figure out what the right thing is. And kind of going back to this idea of middle school camp, like most of us still struggle with all those same issues. And, it's, and it comes down to this equation, that most of us haven't figured out wisdom, haven't gotten wisdom, so we haven't moved past a lot of the issues that we've dealt with for most of our lives. And so most of us live in kind of this secular kind of lifestyle, like where we struggle with the same things over and over and over again. And some of us, like, we've become Christians, and we thought, like, okay, now I'll get over my insecurities, I'll get over all these things. Well, the Bible's answer to all of those things isn't, like, to go do more things, it's to invite God to make you a wise person. In this process of wisdom, like, something starts to happen in our lives. A few years ago, when I was uh, in my intern program, kind of first entering into ministry, I was a part of a really large youth ministry in Fort Wayne, Indiana, and... Um, when I was there, uh, we would partner with other youth ministries to do different events like retreats and conferences. and uh, These other youth pastors would come in and one of the requirements of my intern program was that we would have to ask questions to whoever, like these leaders were, would come in and we'd have to get to know them. And so one night after an event, I was hanging out with one of the pastors, his name's Edgar. And Edgar had been a youth pastor for about 20 years and had just become Uh, a pastor of the church that he worked at for a long time. And we were hanging out and talking, and and I asked him, uh, Edgar, if there's one thing you could tell like a young guy, a young leader, like that, that they should do, what would it be? And he said this. He said, ask God to expedite the process of wisdom in your life. Ask God to expedite the process of wisdom in your life. In other words, ask God to somehow speed up this process of what it means to become wise and and what actually started happening as I actually started praying this and saying God like help me become wise expedite the process of wisdom in my life Uh, God kind of works in an interesting way like if you say God I want to be more patient God doesn't like matrix you you know like you don't get plugged into the system and then all of a sudden you're like whoa I'm patient again like what actually starts to happen is you go through stuff and you have to choose to be patient in the midst of it And so wisdom kind of works in a similar way. When you say, God, I want to be a wise person, you go through circumstances where you have to choose to become wise. And you have to choose to do the right thing in the midst of those things. And it builds within you wisdom. And so uh, as I started to pray, God, help me become wise, like really bad stuff started (laughs) happening. And and, and, And I had to start choosing to do the right thing in the midst of those circumstances. And so wisdom is this kind of interesting process where It's not you get plugged in and like you go to class and you pass a test and now you're wise and everything's good. But in fact, it's this process you go throughout your life as you choose to say, God, I want to learn to to do the right thing. And I want to find the strength to be able to do the right things in my life and make right decisions. So what I kind of want to do today is kind of walk through like some of the things that I've learned throughout this process of trying to live a wise life and become wise, um, and kind of talk through, like, what does that look like for our lives? So one of the first things that I've learned uh, kind of throughout this process is that uh, wisdom isn't how much you know, but it's who you know. Wisdom isn't how much you know. It's not an amount of information or knowing the right information, even, but it's who you know. In Proverbs chapter 2, verse 6 through 9, it says this, "'For the Lord gives wisdom.'" From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. He holds success in store for the upright. He is a shield to those whose walk is blameless. For he guards the course of the just and protects the way of his faithful ones. Then you will understand what is right and just and fair, every good path. See, it's not what classes you've taken or what school you go to or where your degree is from or even how old you are that determines wisdom, uh, what Solomon says is God is the one who gives wisdom. In other words, wisdom is a gift. It's not something you can earn. Like, uh, wisdom doesn't distinguish between the person with a master's degree and the person who only has a high school diploma or, or the person in high school. There's no determining factor here. God is the one who gives wisdom. Wisdom comes from God. It's a gift from God. And so uh, there's actually a story that illustrates this beautifully in Solomon's own life. In fact, when Solomon became the wisest man who ever lived, it was because it was a gift from God. You can find this story in 1 Kings uh, chapter 3, starting at verse 4, and it goes like this. The king went to Gibeon to offer sacrifices, for that was the most important high place. And Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on the altar. but I am only a little child and do not know how to carry out my duties. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So, give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? What happens in the story is essentially Solomon worships God, and in the midst of that, God shows up and says, I want to give you something good. And so what happens after the story is God answers Solomon and says, because you haven't asked for money, because you haven't asked for power, or for even a long life, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you wisdom, but I'm also going to give you those other things. I'm going to give you a long life. I'm going to give you wealth, and I'm going to give you power. And so there's something interesting happening with all, all within the story that Solomon doesn't get wise because he did something really good, but it's actually a gift from God. And I think what's interesting is what happens next. Right after God says, okay, you're going to be a wise man, you're going to be known for your wisdom, the next thing that happens in this chapter is that two prostitutes show up with one kid, both claiming it's theirs. And so immediately after God says, hey, I'm going to make you a wise person, he has a chance to choose wisely. And see, that's what happens. Wisdom is a gift from God, but it's something that we have to choose in the midst of our lives to activate and to, to be a part of. And so you know, what we learn is when we're connected to God, he'll always show us what the right thing is to do and give us the strength to do those things. But I think the problem is most of us choose to ignore God's speaking into our lives on a regular basis. The problem is most of us don't make space for God to speak And so most of us lose the pursuit of wisdom right here. We don't make space for God to speak, so we don't know what God's saying. We don't know what the right things are to do because there's no space in our noisy, busy lives for God to show up and to point out what we need to do in our lives. And so, I mean, think about most of our decision-making processes. For most of us, we make decisions based on whims and feelings and emotions. But what we learn in wisdom is that There's this kind of process through decision-making and a way to make right decisions. And so I think most of us go wrong pretty quickly into this pursuit of wisdom because we're not making space for God. We're not listening when God speaks because wisdom is really learning to hear God's voice in the midst of our lives. It's making space so we can start to hear what God has to say to us. Another thing that I've learned is kind of that wisdom keeps me from making really immature, stupid, and bad choices. It keeps me from doing the things that I shouldn't be doing. In fact, Proverbs says it this way, do not forsake wisdom, she will protect you. Love her and she will watch over you. Solomon seems to believe that wisdom has the ability to uh, keep us from making really bad choices, to actually help us to begin to do the right things in our lives. and. I think we all experience this in one way or another. For me, uh, it's illustrated best by the time I got really lost in Florida. Uh, I don't know if you've ever been to a town where you have no idea where you are and you decide to trust your phone. Um, but I was in Florida, in Orlando, and I wanted ice cream. And uh, I, this was like a few years ago, and it was when smartphones were still really stupid. And so uh, I had one of those Blackberry pearls, I don't know if you remember those, they're really skinny. I went through five in like six months. And um, I thought it had GPS on it, but it doesn't. And uh, so I'm looking for directions and I find where this ice cream place is and I'm following the directions on my phone. And we arrive at where the ice cream place is and we are in the middle of an office complex. Like no open buildings around us whatsoever. But when, you, when I look on my phone, there's a blue dot and I am on the blue dot. like. I'm I'm literally on the blue dot. You, I can't go anywhere else. Uh, well, it turns out my phone doesn't have GPS. It uses like a, it uses like the cell tower, which is like a five mile radius. So somewhere in that five miles, there was an ice cream shop. I have no idea where it was. But but what happens a lot for a lot of us is we live our lives like that. We end up in places we never intended to be because our decisions are based. On our feelings and our emotions and and whatever's happening and whatever we think is right. And the way wisdom kind of works is it helps direct us and guide us to what's best for our lives and what God desires for our lives. And so for a lot of us, our lives are filled with bad, immature, and just stupid choices that we've made. And we keep making them again and again and again because we don't have this kind of process in our life to be able to say, okay, how do I make right decisions? What do I do to, what's the right thing to do in here, and and how do I do that? And wisdom is really this process of being able to figure all those things out. I think the other thing is that wisdom really uh, helps us live with fewer regrets. It helps us have less regrets in our lives. Obviously, we're not making stupid choices, so there's some less, less regrets there, but in Proverbs 4, 10 through 14, it says this. Listen, my son, accept what I say. And the years of your life will be many. I instruct you in the way of wisdom and lead you along straight paths. When you walk, your steps will not be hampered. When you run, you will not stumble. Hold on to instruction. Do not let it go. Guard it well, for it is your life. Guard it well, for it is your life. See, what this book, this book of Proverbs keeps insisting is that if you're a wise person, you'll literally have the best life possible. That doesn't mean like everything's perfect, but, it, but suddenly, like look at the picture of the words that he's, he's painting here. He says things like, when you run, you won't stumble. When you walk, like you won't trip over things. And he, in fact, he says, when you're a wise person, the years of your life will be many. You'll live a long life. And I think it's interesting because what we figure out by reading this book of Proverbs and discovering what Solomon has to say about wisdom is that wisdom actually enables you to discover the kind of life that God wants for you. When you're not making stupid choices, like your life will actually be better. It's crazy, but it's true. Like When you don't make bad decisions and you actually start to do what God wants, you start to discover that life is better. And so What we start figuring out is that Solomon really is talking about two kinds of people throughout the book of Proverbs and other places. What he kind of says is there's basically two kinds of people in the world. There's uh, foolish people, and then there's wise people. Like, he doesn't leave much middle ground for normal people. Like, you're either foolish or you're wise. And throughout the book of Proverbs, he actually categorizes these people and says, here's some of their characteristics, here's some of the things they do. And a lot of times he contrasts them. He'll say things like, uh, you know, a fool does this, but a wise man does this. And, and so some of those things that he starts to say are things like this: like a fool has mouth problems; like they just say whatever comes to their head immediately, and and so they just talk. And uh, in fact, one of the things he says is that their mouths bring like death. Um, so there you go. And so they have mouth problems; they just say whatever they're thinking. And, and then he says that they have anger problems. Like they cause anger amongst their family, amongst their friends, uh, and also everybody's angry at them. Um, he also says that they're ignorant. So fools are ignorant. Uh, if you kind of look up the syn- synonyms of that, that's like rude, uh, stupid. So lots of things that he says about foolish people. I mean, some of the characteristics as you look throughout the book of Proverbs about, about foolish people are things like they're known for their jealousy, their self-centered ambition, they're known for their ego, they're known for always being rivals against someone, and they're known for causing chaos amongst people. So a fool is like that kind of person, but he contrasts it with this idea of wisdom and a wise person. He, he goes to say like a wise person doesn't speak death, but instead speaks life to people. They're known for the way that they bring life into situations by the way they speak. They speak blessings to people. Uh, And they're also known as peacemakers. Instead of people who are always causing conflict, they're people who work to bring peace into relationships. They're known for their peaceful marriages and their peaceful lives with others. But the thing I think sticks out the most about what he talks about is fools always find destruction and chaos, but people who are wise find success in all the different areas of their life. And and it's interesting because the Bible does this kind of weird thing where it says, like, if you're a fool, like, your life's going to be destruction. But if you're wise, like, suddenly, like, your marriage starts to work. Weird. And suddenly, if you're wise, like, your business starts to work. You start to succeed in life. And it's weird because, again, this isn't some, like, do this and your life will be blessed, but suddenly when you're wise, all the different areas of your life start to operate as they're supposed to. Not like some like weird formula, but it's like when you're wise, suddenly like you want to do the right thing, and you want others to experience the right thing as well. So Solomon kind of describes some of the characteristics of a wise person. He says things like a wise man is pure. He's patient and peaceful, gentle, obedient, merciful, good, known for their good actions towards others, that they're impartial in judging others, that they're sincere in the way that they love others. So there's this kind of contrast that happens. There's wise people and there's foolish people. I think kind of Solomon's point throughout this whole thing, and maybe the point of even what I'm talking about today, is that wisdom is kind of this interesting animal. Like, you ask God for it, and God will allow you to experience things so you can become wise, but you have the choice whether you'll be a fool or you'll be a wise person. Like, every single day, in all of our different circumstances, we have the choice. In working with students and with adults, one of the things I realized is that most of us don't know how to make right decisions, and we don't think God has anything to say about how you actually go about making right decisions. Like, for most of us, our process to making right decisions is like, pretty simple. It's like, we we have a big decision to make. Like, let's say you have a job that you want to take. And this job is a great opportunity, but it would move you away from family and friends. And so our decision usually is like, how much money does it make? And how long will it take me to make new friends? And how much vacation will I get? And you're like, all right, sweet, let's go move. But the Bible actually has a process that you actually do these things. And one of the places, it, it, go home and study this, but one of the places that's like super clear that you can actually see this process work out is in Acts chapter 1. If you read through Acts chapter 1, it's this time when Jesus has left and actually Judas has hung himself in a field. And so they're short one disciple. So there's 11, but they want 12. And so they're like, well, how do we figure out who the 12th one is? Right? Tough question. And so there's like, well, there's all these other guys who are following Jesus too. And so they have to go and choose one. And so there's actually this process they walk through that gives a perfect picture of how you start making right decisions. And the first thing that they do is they they read Scripture. And so they read Scripture and say, what does Scripture say about this? And so the next thing they do is they pray. And they say, God, give us wisdom as we make this decision so we make the right decision. And then the third thing they do is they ask others. Like, they ask some other people, okay, what do you think? Who do you think should be this person? And so there's kind of this process that's laid out like, in making any decisions with our lives, we should figure out what Scripture has to say about our circumstances, and because most chances are it does. Uh, and then you should pray about it, asking God to make it clear what you should do. And then the last thing is, like, you should seek advice of those who are wise, those who know God and follow God with their lives. And so most of us don't have this process in our lives, and so when we come to make decisions, we just do whatever we think is right. But what wisdom is kind of teaching us and leads us through throughout Scripture is like there actually is a process to figuring these things out. And in the end, your life will be better if you start putting these kinds of processes in, par- in place in your life because it will keep you from making bad decisions. It will keep you uh, kind of directed towards the life that God wants you to live. As I kind of close, in Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1 through 6, it says this. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, turning your ear to wisdom and applying your heart to understanding, indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and if you look for it as silver and search for it as if it's a lost treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find knowledge of God. Here's the thing. If we grow in wisdom in God, if we grow in this understanding, grow in our relationship with God and and wisdom towards Him, our lives begin to start getting connected to things. That's what really wisdom does. The goal of wisdom is to start to connect the dots. And so what wisdom does is it starts to say like, okay, here's things and areas that you're disconnected with others. Here's areas that are disconnected in your job and in uh, your marriage and in your family with your kids with with your fa- all these different areas start to get connected what wisdom really is is this connecting of the dots for us to be able to say like here's areas that aren't fitting together and here's now how they can fit together wisdom frees us from living these kind of disconnected lives where um, we have superstitions that c- hold us back and areas of our lives that don't allow us to live the kind of life that god intended us to live so Most of us are stuck living these middle school type lives because we haven't matured, we haven't grown up. We're still dealing with the same issues, still cycling through the same doubts and fears and insecurities and sin issues because we don't have this process in place in our lives. For a lot of us, we've uh, accepted Jesus. For some of us, we're we're beginning to figure out what that means to follow Jesus. But here's here's the deal. If that's all you do, if that's where you stay at this accepting of Jesus as your Savior and you love Him and you sing songs about Him, you're going to keep in that cycle. You're going to keep going through the same things, struggling through the same issues, cycling through the same sin things, because there's not a process in your place to help you move past those things. What Scripture describes is that wisdom is this invitation for us to say, God, I want to start to do the right thing. Help me to begin to do those things with my life. So wisdom is kind of hard, like you have to ask for it, but you also have to do something with it. It's a gift, it's not something you can earn, you don't have to study real hard and all of a sudden you graduate and you're wise. But it takes a little bit of action and a lot of asking. And so my prayer for you today is that you would begin to ask God to begin the process of wisdom in your life. To ask God maybe to start to expedite the process of wisdom in your life so that as you kind of live throughout the next weeks and months and years, that those areas that you keep struggling with and keep kind of running your head into, God would start to show you the right things to do and give you the strength to do them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for how much you love us. God, I thank you that uh, we can't do anything to earn your favor or your love, but you love us freely. And you desire to give us good gifts. You desire to help us make good decisions with our lives. And so God, I pray uh, for those of us in the midst of big decisions right now in our lives and our marriages and our jobs, that you would help, help us. you would help us figure out what the right thing is to do, that you would speak clearly God, for those of us in our lives who realize that we've been making bad choices and immature decisions and stupid decisions, God, we pray that you would give us the strength and the courage to start to find space in our lives to hear you, to hear what you want us to do, and you give us the strength to actually do those things, to do the right thing. God, I thank you that you have... This thing called wisdom that allows us to begin to move past the areas and issues in our lives that a lot of us have been dealing with for a long time. And so God, I ask that today you would speak loudly and clearly to our lives in the midst of whatever our circumstances are, in the midst of the noise and the busyness of today, that you would speak loudly and clearly to us that we would hear your voice and that we would choose to respond today. God, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to grow and move past these things. And so we ask that you would begin that process in us, that you would begin this process of wisdom where we grow and we figure out right things and start to do the right thing. In Jesus' name, Amen.